is Wednesday, August 16th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Colts name a starter. And the Yanks fall to 500. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Anthony Richardson shockingly named the starting quarterback for the Colts. I feel shocked. The NBA releasing its in-season tournament group stage schedule. And the Yankees lose once again. I think we start in the NFL where I'm shocked as well, to be honest. Like I don't think I'm Anthony, not. You're not? No. The fourth what? overall pick, they were going to make him the starting quarterback. The th- Here's my thinking. I think you should be shocked at the timing sure. of this. Uh, that's what I mean. the fact that he was named the starter. Uh, well, listen, I'll be honest. I, when they Even when they took him fourth overall, I said, they're going to invest heavily in someone else to play quarterback, at least for the early part of this season. I didn't expect to see Anthony Richardson on the field at all for the first three or four weeks of the, of the NFL season. Now... You mentioned the the timing of this. I think that's the key because Anthony Richardson was the worst of the three Colts quarterbacks in their preseason game. Uh, Gardner Minshew, a pass didn't hit the floor mm-hmm. when he was out there. Sam Ellinger was out there. He went eight of nine. Anthony Richardson was six of 12 with an interception. So that the one, one of the three quarterbacks didn't look like a starting quarterback it just seems like an odd time for them to announce it. Yeah. I think maybe it had to do with the subpar performance in week one of the preseason. <laughs> so when a guy plays shitty, you say, hey, you know what? No, but You're I, our guy. <laughs> I, I think it was the coaching staff putting some confidence in the young kid who, I mean, he said he's shocked because obviously he didn't think that he played his way into deserving the starting job. But this is a move from Shane Steichen saying, you know what? Don't worry about what happened in week one. You're our guy. You're getting work with the ones. You're our starting quarterback. Start acting like the leader that we need you to be on this team. Because the longer you go throughout the preseason without knowing who your starting quarterback is, the more opportunity you give your football team to be divided. Because players need a leader. And if they don't know who to follow, They're going to start taking sides. We've seen it happen with teams before, and we've read reports about teams that have a little bit of a dysfunction because certain players want one guy to be the starting quarterback. Other players want another guy to be the starting quarterback. I think this was a calculated move by Shane Steichen. Go ahead, name Anthony Richardson your starting quarterback now before he has a terrible game in week two of the preseason and Minshew looks even better, and then half the team is saying, well, this guy should be our quarterback. Well, don't you think if that happens, if Minshew continues to out perform Anthony Richardson in camp the rest of the team looks at this and says not if they were told this is our guy Anthony Richardson's a starting quarterback but you, you don't think start supporting him you don't think people say why is he our guy this guy is clearly the better option like we're about to start playing games that matter why is this guy the guy like to me this says the Colts care more about the, and I think that this is true 
So I'm not saying that they shouldn't be thinking about this. I think they care more about the long term of their franchise than this season. And there's guys in that locker room who probably don't feel the same way. Not not everyone's interests are aligned. No doubt. Colts, week one, three-and-a-half-point dogs at home against Jacksonville. I have a conspiracy theory. Let's hear it. Maybe it wasn't the coaching staff. I know they officially made the decision, and that's what they'll say at the press conference. Maybe it was the marketing department. Maybe they're looking at those week one, week two sales for their home games, and they're like, "We got to put somebody." We have no narrative here. We're a bad team with with a quarterback that might be good in a few years. Maybe we just promote that. You can't sell T-shirts that have like a a, a, like a face with a mustache. I mean, you could do that. Mustache Minshew, Minshew Mania. There was a mania for six months, two years ago. Now it's over. But the Colts haven't the Colts haven't squeezed that juice yet. And could when Jeremy Lin left the Knicks and went to the Raptors? Was there any Lin buzz? (laughs) There's no buzz. There's zero buzz. But couldn't you sold, couldn't you have sold the fans on like the Gardner Minshew revenge game against the Jaguars? You definitely could have. They opted not to. Well, and we, I don't think it was for football reasons because, like you said, he was the worst guy out there. It was definitely worse than you would have expected from the guy that you're naming the starter. Well, let's hear from Anthony from Anthony Richardson himself on why he was so surprised at this. You know, it means a lot. You know, I'm forever thankful. You know, I I, I respect all those guys in the building. You know, I appreciate all of them. And you know, I just try to work, work my, my tail off every day for them because I don't want to come in here and, and make it seem like that everything should be handed to me because it definitely shouldn't. You know, I have to work for everything, and they've been here working for everything. So I'm just trying to reciprocate the same thing and just continue to grind and continue to gain respect and trust from those guys. Anthony, you say you were shocked by it. Was that shocked by the timing of it or I guess why? It was, it was just hearing the words, you know, because you worked for it. You didn't, I didn't know when the timeline was, was going to be. You know, I was just looking forward to uh, week one and just being ready for the opportunity and getting thrown in the fire, hopefully. But, you know, he told me, and I'm just like, like wow, it, re- it really happened. So, you know, I'm thankful. You know, I'm blessed. And you know, I just got to keep working and just keep building on this opportunity. And Anthony Richardson, and this was guaranteed anyway because Matt Ryan's not going to be around this year, but this will be the eighth consecutive year where the Colts have a new starting quarterback uh, or a different one that they had the year before. So he joins a long line. Of, That'd be a record, uh, right? Yeah, of, co- of quarterbacks trying to replace Andrew Luck, apparently. So it's the second longest streak since quarterback starts were first tracked in 1950. Don't tell Bears. me. Don't tell me. Uh, Bears are a good choice. They were up there. I'm going to say Washington had a stretch like that. The Bears are number yeah. one. Nine straight seasons from 98 to 2006 with a different starting quarterback week one. Washington... With the Colts, eight from 2000 to 2007. I guess Cleveland, man. I, I guess they usually give their guys a, a two years. And yeah, right. Yeah. Or so. uh, Boy, if there was an immac- got two years. If there was an immaculate Oof. grid on the Colts starting quarterbacks in week one, <laughs> I guarantee you that most people would miss one square. Yeah. The Scott Tolzien square? Scott Tolzien. Yeah. <laughs> of that, Wisconsin fame. I, I want to throw you for a loop. Uh, as for Minshew... I mean, obviously disappointed, but pretty classy in his response. He said, this is his franchise. That's the reason they picked him where he is, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be really special. So Gardner Minshew, understandably disappointed, but he also kind of, I think when he signed with the Colts, he knew the deal. This was Anthony Richardson's franchise. Yep. Interesting news out of Baltimore, where the Ravens offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, is apparently uh, taking – advice or maybe he's got a suggestion box on his desk or like in the locker room like hey if you guys you got any favorite Madden plays or something and 
Apparently, when Wait, speaking of that, can we get ginger ale next time we order some drinks? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. When, when, drop it in my suggestion yeah. box when you got it. When Lamar Jackson puts plays in the suggestion box, apparently uh, Todd Munkin is listening. Well, hey, Todd, I know you haven't been in the league since 2019, but there's a few things I got to tell you about the way this, this league is done. And he said he was on social media. He saw a couple routes, sent it to T. Martin, who's the QB coach. And T. Martin said, I'll pass him on to Coach Munkin. And Coach Munkin liked the plays. They put it in practice. So uh, apparently it's as simple as that. You see, So if you see an Instagram reel of a play you like, <laughs> just send it to your coach. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll take it. Well, you guys saw the Netflix quarterback documentary. That was like Patrick Mahomes' like, favorite talking point. Like, oh, I thought about this, and I made this little tweak. So if you can make it somehow collaborative, I can see how that's a good thing. I'm not sure they're going to be asking Lamar what to do you know, on every given down. Well, Lamar is the franchise now, certainly, with uh, five years and $260 million invested in him. Uh, they're going to want to keep him happy, which seems like he hasn't been the last two seasons. So uh, if he and this offensive group, particularly Todd Munkin, if they click, uh, I think I think Lamar could be in for a big season. More of a Schweppes guy? Canadian dry goods? Canada dry. Canada dry. Yeah. Well, I always Canadian dry. As long as they're worried about the routes that they're running and not the fights that are going on in their joint practice with the commanders. I don't know if you saw Mark Andrews with a body slam of one of the commanders players, cornerback Danny Johnson. That was uh, quite a brawl that went on during their joint practices. Guess what? They That's happen what at happens. Everyone. That's like, what happens. Joint practices lead to fights. You know it's going to happen. Like You can't schedule a joint practice and say, hey guys, no fighting because you already know it's going to happen. Somebody's going to get in trouble. It is what it is. Joining us now to talk a little NFL preseason action, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Fezzik, thanks for joining us as always. How are you, Scott? I'm doing good. I wanted to ask you your biggest takeaway from, or your takeaways from week one of the preseason, and how are you using that information to bet on week two of the preseason? Well, I'm going to attack totals here because, you know, so much of the sides is information-driven, who's going to play their starters for how long, quarterback rotations. You really need to be doing your homework left and right. I'm going to keep it much simpler, and this is not just for this preseason, but really any preseason. NFL week one preseason excludes the Hall of Fame game. The magic number in totals is 33. Every total should be 33 or higher. All right. Is this it, like over a historical stretch? Like that's been the magic number? Recent, very recent history in the new NFL where backup quarterbacks throw the ball and teams punch in touchdowns in the red zone in the final two minutes and they want to score. 33 is just too low. So look no further than three games opened. We're talking about the openers here at 33 or below. Green Bay, Cincinnati, they scored 55 points. Hmm. Uh, let's see, Jacksonville, Dallas, 51 points. That total open, believe it or not, below 33, and the Battle of L.A., which for the second year in a row turned into a shootout, much more for the Chargers and the Rams, but that one went way over as well. So any number 33 or less goes over. Well, you got to wait 51 weeks for that to be actionable. That's not so good. So let's go to NFL preseason week two. Now more starters play, more offensive skill position guys play. You get starting quarterbacks, getting more playing time, so the totals go higher. Now that we have a new magic number, and it is 37. If you get a number 37 or less, I would strongly advise you to either play over or to pass and certainly not to play under at that magic number 37 or less. So games right now looking at DraftKings for week two of the preseason, the Jets hosting the Bucks listed as 37. 
qualifies. The Patriots at the Packers, 37. Shop around some 36 and a halves on that game. And then somewhere you can find it maybe at 37, we have Titans-Vikings is 37 and a half. And Saints Chargers, 37 and a half. So maybe if you shop around, you can find a 37 somewhere or maybe even a 36 and a half, depending on the book. Yeah, and just and these numbers tend to move up or down depending upon who's playing and rotations and the like. So it would not be unusual just with the um, ebbs and flows of these totals that some of them may bounce down to 37. You know, as, as far as evidence, look at Carolina and New York, which opened 36 and that game's on Friday. Boom! Immediately got bet all the way up to thirty nine. What? What? Thursday night, Cleveland, Philly. We're close to thirty seven, right? Are we thirty eight? We're at thirty eight. So that has the possibility of going to that thirty seven. We love that key number of thirty seven. Why? Because four touchdowns, three field goals, make your extra points. You're on thirty seven, and you're pushing the number. And as it turns out, historically, going over that thirty seven in recent history has indeed been very profitable. I've got a question about the the books process on this. the The preseason lines come out at almost a trickle. Like they, it, like you would think, once week one is played, all the week two lines would be up. Like the NFL, it's just not that way. Why Why is it taking so long to get numbers posted by these books for week two of, of preseason after week one? Because the books have jelly in the belly. They're real scared. The books want to not be the market maker on this. Once someone else puts it up then they're fine. Okay. DraftKings has their numbers. We'll go with it. Maybe we'll tweak those numbers slightly, but until DK sets the standard or someone else sticks their neck out and does it, then people books are very reluctant, even with low limits to do it. And so fortunately, um, finally Monday morning, DraftKings went ahead and put up the week two numbers and within 30 minutes, like foot soldiers falling in line, <laughs> Everyone started to copy it within a half a point, and that's where the, the fun started because the betters aren't foot soldiers. The betters have strong opinions, and like I said, um, pretty much that, that Carolina-New York giant total came in at 36, 35 and a half, and then boom, all of a sudden you blinked and it was 39. So um, a lot of um, opinions, a lot of things getting bet, including the Thursday night game, the Eagles, that were a very modest favorite, as low as minus one, and they got bet all the way up to four and now three and a half. So... Um, a lot of movement, and the book doesn't want to be the first one to expose themselves. Let's talk about the week two trend with uh, in, in terms of sides, or at least in terms of uh, who, who you think is going to win uh, these games week two. When a team won week one, and a team they're playing against a team that that lost in week one of the preseason. Yeah, and I'm not so sure they're going to win, but they'll win the way we keep score in Vegas against the spread, gotcha. of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, um, all things being equal, I want to bet a loser from week one, straight up, playing a team that won straight up the week before, and there's eight qualifying teams. Now, I want preferably to be taking the team that not only lost playing a winner, but is getting points. I like that historically that's been better. So there's two teams that qualify, but they're laying. And those two teams are the Indianapolis Colts. They're laying three and a half now to the Bears, and they open two and a half. And the Kansas City Chiefs opened minus six and a half at Arizona. Now they're laying seven and a half. I think I'd stay off of those two, especially after the line moves. But there are six dogs that qualify, and I'm just going to list those six teams. So we've got the Cincinnati Bengals at Atlanta, Miami Dolphins catching three at Houston, we have uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an underdog, at the New York Jets. The Patriots catching three at the Green Bay Packers. That might be my favorite of this group right now, but I'm still researching, you know, starters, information, et cetera. 
The Rams, always dangerous to back the Rams. McVay does not care in preseason, but they qualify against our Las Vegas Raiders. And finally, the Dallas Cowboys catching 6.5 to 7 now at Seattle. Seattle off of a win, Dallas off of a loss. Now, this is really no different than the NFL. Like, we look to buy low and sell high, right? Yeah, so what, what happens is that it's a and same thing exactly. Week two of the NFL season, we typically do the same thing, and the idea is that no one cares in preseason, but no coach wants to go 0-3 either. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a little extra incentive. There's a lot of extra incentive when you're 0-1 in the NFL. No NFL team wants to start 0-2. All the documentation, 0-2 teams only make the playoffs X percentage of the time, et cetera. So a um, little extra incentive for the team that's 0-1, not to mention that sometimes – the marketplace overreacts towards what they just saw. Right. Oh, this team looks good. And, you know, all these reports, you know, coming out. So you see a team that has a very impressive performance, and they see, like, Miami losing 19-3 to to Atlanta. They're like, oh, the Dolphins don't care about preseason. You know, but Green Bay, ooh, they look good. The Saints, they look good. Um, and there tends to be an overreaction to the teams that play the best in preseason. And uh, because of that, there's usually value to either pass or look towards the loser of the first game. Any feeling towards the teams that have officially named the starting quarterbacks, like the for the teams that had quarterback battles or rookies that were trying to, to fight for the job? Example, the Colts have named Anthony Richardson the starting quarterback already. So does that give you a lean to maybe play on or against the Colts playing the Bears here in week two of the preseason? You know, you look elsewhere. Against. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, yeah you, you want the battle. You want mm-hmm. the battle for, you know, both guys trying to get that head job. And um, the the bottom line is once – if someone gets named the starter and you played better than him the last week, that's not going to super motivate me to do well week two. Mm-hmm. I think I'll stay healthy and collect my check and hold my, hold my clipboard and be ready for when he gets hurt, right? Well, I mean, that's certainly the case with the Colts where Sam Ellinger and Gardner Minshew outplayed Anthony Richardson, and then they promptly announced that Anthony Richardson will start week one. So I, I can't imagine that those two guys are thrilled. Yeah, so maybe Bears plus three and a half? Um, yep, and the fact, although it goes against the 0-1 versus the 1-0 sure, trend. Sure. Uh, and I hate to go against that, but you know, I will say this. All things being equal, when you see a huge line move, if I see it in college football, if you see all the money coming, example, like Florida, Utah was at 10. It's down to 7. I want no part of Utah minus seven. <laughs> Got into my head. I'm uh, go ahead and give me Florida. Give me the Gators plus seven. Um, but in an NFL preseason, if a line moves from three to six, you have to be out of your mind to lay six um, because the market's so much more illiquid and smaller limits and just a few bets can move the market so much. It is rarely right to back a big line. And I tweeted about this. People got mad at me, but I was. I'm, but I'm right. So you know, they deal with it. If I, I, I and my my specific tweet said. Last week I said if 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 you know Carolina opened plus one twenty and they went to minus one forty, Denver opened minus one forty and they went to minus two forty. If you think you're going to win laying minus two forty on a game that someone else was betting minus one forty, you're not, and you're just you know you're, you're um, completely um, unaware of how this works. People talk about how easy it is to win in the preseason, and that. It certainly is a very, very beatable market for those who are getting at the numbers and the information first. It is not readily beatable and easy to beat when you're going in, waiting for a line to move three points, and then hopping on and and playing things like Denver minus seven against Arizona when you could add Denver minus two and a half. I get it. Denver minus two and a half should have won. I'm sorry. But Denver minus seven was not a good bet. Now, 
I mean, you say people are getting mad at you for saying that, and you, you're not saying they can't win any given week. You just mean long-term, that's not a way to win. That's correct, yeah. In any one week, anything can happen. But um, for, for the most part, you know, the number one thing, if, if there was one takeaway I would give everyone, if they asked me, you know, am I going to win gambling going forward? And this is going to frustrate a lot of people. You need to show some closing line value, some CLV. And what do I mean by that? It means when, when the games kick off, if you've been betting during the week, you want to get a number that's better than what is available at most books when the game is starting. An example, um, we all talk about games of the year that we bet. And I think, Scott, I think yours is my favorite of them all. Mm. You uh, went ahead and advocated an investment in your Philadelphia Eagles. Week four. And you're laying double digits in that game, right? Nope. Seven points over the Commanders. So, bold prediction. Scott's laying seven on this game. Available at DraftKings right now. And bold prediction, the Eagles will be laying 10. And they will be cutting in line to lay the 10 (laughs) to get to it before it goes to 10.5. Don't lay 10.5. Lay seven. It's funny how that works because, like, for me with college football, my almost all of my week one bets are already made. And now, like, I, every line I look at, I'm like, I wouldn't bet that now. I don't want to bet that now. You were an advocate of, of playing Purdue under Purdue Fresno under 53. And I saw that here comes the steam. They're taking out the under 51. And it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, has it been key injuries? No. Didn't. No. Um, weather change? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I did, did just the people got around to it, right? They um, finally looked at the game, and uh, it looks like an under game, right? So uh, Yeah, it's currently sitting at 50. Uh, in most of the markets. I'll be close. Probably I'll I'll get it like the day of the game. There'll be, you know, steam line alert, you know, money on the under and closes 48 and a half. Yeah. Well, listen, it's, it's like you've, you've said this all along. It's a lot harder to to beat the NFL on Sunday morning than it is on Tuesday, you know, and, and that's, there's no doubt about that. Fez, always appreciate you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on guys. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, 
B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support. Vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com SOV. That's drinkag1.com SOV. Check it out. The NBA trying to uh, stay in the news cycle uh, as football season ramps up. This is your last chance, you know, to get some get some punches in before the NFL season starts because then no one will care about the NBA till Christmas. But NBA taking advantage of that and announced their pre or their their in season tournament, uh, the format, the groups, the schedule. Our NBA expert Mackenzie Rivers is here to help us break it down. Mackenzie, when you when you first saw this, and I know like soccer people, when the when the World Cup draw happens, people say, "Oh, that's the rough group." Right. They, oh, the they group got of a death. They got a great draw. You see, there's six groups, five teams each. Who got the short end of the stick, and, and who got the uh, who got the easy path? Well, we've known the groups for a while. We've got the games yesterday, so that paints a little bit more of the picture. But by far, the easiest path is Boston, the best team in their division or in their group. Plus 400 is the Toronto Raptors. They're not expected to make the playoffs. They're not expected to be 11th. They're not expected to do anything this year. Severely downgraded. They opened their win total at 36. It's already been slammed down to 33. And that's the second favorite. So that's what they got to worry about, and they don't have to worry about them. So they cruise into the tournament. That's why they're about even with the Nuggets to win the title and look at those odds. But they're heavy, heavy favorites, much better than the Nuggets or the Suns or anybody else to win this in-season tournament because of the path. Yeah, Do you, like, you like Boston minus 105 to win their group? East Group C? The fact that two teams get in makes it where they don't even have to necessarily try that hard because, you know, even if the Raptors beat them, but I would lean that way. I definitely wouldn't bet the Raptors. I don't like anything that they've done this offseason, so I don't really see any other team that could win it. Yeah, it's it's difficult to to pick someone. I, I think Milwaukee's in a similar situation where they've got a pretty easy draw. Like, picking anyone from the West is tough because – like there's no guarantee of who's even going to make it out of their group. Uh, like that West B that has Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, like the Pelicans are the fourth best team. Like it, that's not too shabby. And then uh, West A has Grizzlies, Suns, Lakers, and the Jazz are no. It's not like a walkthrough. So it, it feels like looking at those those Eastern Conference ones, particularly the the you know Bucks and Celtics uh, pods where. There's no way that one that those te- those teams aren't one of the two teams that advance. Yeah, that's why Nuggets eleven to one. I hate, even though I think they're better than the Bucks, and the Bucks are eleven to one. I I don't mind that at all. Yeah, because you know the Bucks are going to have a, a ticket to the dance. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that the league is trying to highlight its young superstars because Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs are the only team that has more of t- more than two of its four group play games nationally televised on ESPN and TNT. Well, you mentioned it. I mean, this is not a preseason tournament, but it might as well be the way most you know casual NBA fans appreciate the NBA, and I don't blame them. It's a long, long season. But the point is, give people a reason to watch the NBA before Christmas. 
Victor Wembanyama is probably the biggest reason this year to watch the NBA before Christmas. Oh, they better pray that he stays healthy. They better pray that he stays. And the fact that he's in the same region or the same uh, grouping as Steph, in the same grouping as Chet Holmgren, who I think a lot of people are going to be interested in checking out as well, uh, that that does help quite a bit. Now, you, you've got your power ratings here, and you told me there's a way – the people at home can make their own power ratings. They don't even have to know a player. So you're telling me I could create my own NBA power ratings? Yes, in a few hours, simple process. And a lot of people look at handicappers' power ratings and like, how do they have such a strong opinion on every single team, every single week? Well, you learn from the uh, wisdom of crowds, and no one is more uh, wise than you know everyone on earth, which is the Vegas betting market. So the best way, I think, to create – a power rating is to look at win totals. I'm talking about looking at game of the year spreads. There's a reason why I don't think that's necessarily as good. So if you just look at history, you can draw a straight line. If you know how many points they won per game, I can tell you with a pretty good precision how many wins they had on the season. The best, that's why you talk about close games. It doesn't really matter. The best prediction of your future success is your scoring margin, not whether you win or lose. So put it in all in Excel. The last 20 years I did and it spits out a number for a win total like 54 and a half for Boston. That team, on average, should win if they win 55 games or so. They should win those games by 4.9 points. Go down to the next highest win total, 53 and a half, four and a half points. So you can say pretty strongly that if this season plays out as Vegas predicts, they're going to be four and a half points better than an average team, which is exactly where they were, you know, up until March when they kind of gave away uh, the end part of their season last year, but that's exactly where the Nuggets were. That's why Vegas put them there this year. So based on those power ratings, what what in this uh, this group stage stands out to you from the, now, now that the schedule has been announced for it? It's interesting. The worst team by power ratings is by far the Portland Trailblazers, and I do not disagree. They've finally blown it up. They finally did what they have to do. However, you look at some of these group stage games, they're only catching two points at Utah, the toughest place to play in the NBA, arguably right along there with Denver. What gives? If Utah is supposed to win 36 games. Blazers are supposed to win 23 games. Why aren't the Jazz massive favorites at home versus the Blazers? Well, the win total knows that Damian Lillard is probably not going to be there for the entire year, probably not for most of the year. But for this November 17th game, the market is saying, and I disagree with it, that there's a good chance Damian Lillard is still playing, still playing hard for the Blazers. He's worth five points to the line. That's why the Jazz are only two-point favorites. I'm going to say, A, I don't think Damian Lillard necessarily plays one game or 20 games or any games for the Blazers. And if, if, even if he's there, I don't like my best player being disgruntled, wanting to be traded versus a team that's in the exact opposite scenario. They had their bottom out year last year, even though they're decent. They have their young coach. They have the guys they want to build around. I like where the Jazz are going. I hate where the Blazers are going. So Jazz minus two at home is a steal. I would bet it every day of the week. I like that a lot. I like this this next pick even more, though. And I, you know, as someone who's very, you know, lay in the in terms of NBA – I, I everything I'm seeing 100% agrees with your analysis on this one. Yeah, you talk about the reason to watch the NBA before the, Christmas. Well, Victor Wembanyama is a big reason for that, and the Vegas betting market is giving way, way too much credit to the Spurs in almost every game. But I have one here that I isolated. Another team that's on the rise, the Sacramento Kings. They're only two point favorites at San Antonio, the worst team in the league last year. Expected to be the third worst team in the league this year by win totals. That's that's not giving enough credit to the Kings. They're way better than four point four points better than the Spurs. Even though they're on the road, they should be laying five here. Really like the Kings. Fade Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs early. Back the Kings. I like the Kings here. What would the what would the line on this game have been at the end of last right. regular season? Six. Uh, it, Six and a half. Like it, the, the Spurs were the tankingest of tanking teams, right there with the Pistons and Rockets. 
they don't just change that overnight, and they actually lost some of their better players from last year. So even with the rookie sensation, like, they're not uh, going to be that much better. It would take Victor Wimbanyama being like prime Kevin Durant. Exactly, and prime <laughs> Kevin Durant. Rookie Kevin Durant wouldn't do it. He, they needed him to be otherworldly. I mean, I understand why they get so much action on it. There's a section on DraftKings called Wemby, just with Victor Wimbanyama bets. No other rookie gets that kind of treatment. So they're going to get a lot of public money no matter what they post this line at. They posted too short. Take the Kings minus two. Now, this last game that you've got uh, circled here, I, I think there's sort of a similar vibe with the Pelicans that there is with the Spurs. It's the They're selling hope. Right. And the idea that Zion can be healthy and playing at his best at this point. And if he is, oh boy, Pelicans are dangerous. Meanwhile, they're playing against a, a, a commodity that we're pretty certain about. Yeah, the Nuggets are underrated. They had an incredible playoff run, nine points better than their competition. Uh, they should be right there with the Celtics as the highest power rated team, but they're not. For whatever reason, they've been downgraded. I know they lost Bruce Brown. He doesn't move the line for me that much. But let's talk about the other side of the equation. Selling hope with Zion Williamson is a very interesting phrase because they were selling hope all of last year. He was in warm-up lines right before the playoffs didn't go, and there's been no news about him warming up, about his practice, about his health. Like, literally, if you Google, will Zion Williamson play to start the 23-24 season, there's no articles, no information about it. So I think people, if they close their eyes and kind of wish that Zion's just going to be back like he was 12 months ago, uh, that's a big question mark. So I would like... uh, now, before I know for sure that Zion is not playing or significantly hindered, to lock in Nuggets minus one. All right, great time for us to get a best bet for you on the uh, in these pods. Uh, where are you going for your best bet in the group stage? Like the Cleveland Cavaliers plus 220 to win Group A. I love what the Cavs are doing. They won the Summer League. They made a major step, step last year in the regular season, disappointed in the playoffs. I think they're going to want to come back with a um, with ferocity uh, to get back that status, but this is more of a fade on the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm in. Who are for some yep. reason favored in this group. Um, their win total is way too high. I don't like a lot of their spreads, but I think the best way to fade them is saying it's some meaningless games early in the season. We don't know if James Harden will be there or if they'll uh, be able yes, to. Yes, we do. I've been told he would never <laughs> yeah. play right. for Daryl Morey's organization. And Joel Embiid removed any Sixers stuff from his profile. I did not know that. I knew James Harden did. Oh, and that's, boy. That's telling. There's... There's discord, and if I can fade the Philadelphia 76ers early when they're usually, by the way, as Embiid works himself into shape throughout the season, they're usually bad in October and November. I love that I can fade them in this group where no other team really scares me, so I'll take the uh, Cavs plus 220. Uh, What are the chances that Joel Embiid and James Harden are playing in every group stage game? Almost zero, Mm -hmm. I would say, and I'd say high chance of Donovan Mitchell and them boys as Stephen A. Smith likes to say, will be there each and every night. They want to show that they were for real last year. This is a great early opportunity for them to do so. I love this young Cavs team, and I I, I think they're going to be excited. You bet they're over last year, cruised over. Yeah, I, I think when you the teams who are going to be, and this is sort of outside the box, the teams that are going to be most excited about this in-season tournament, I think are the younger teams that haven't experienced the greatest success yet. So I think teams like the Warriors will not be as interested in this. Like the, I mean, we the Spurs kind of started this whole thing of like yep. you know we're we're playing for the postseason. I don't think the Warriors are suddenly going to change their mindset and say, well, this is the new postseason. The Warriors still have their eyes on the main prize. I think teams like the Celtics, the Bucks, those teams are still going to have their eyes on the main prize. 
I think a young, hungry team that hasn't reached the pinnacle like Cleveland is a great team to look at. I think Memphis and Sacramento are good teams to look at, teams that have young rosters of guys who haven't had a ton of playoff success and want to ta- feel some of that. I completely agree. That exactly is how the NBA is played. It's motivation on any given night. Times talent equals results. Uh, the Cavs are going to be max motivated. They're one of the most talented teams in the league. I don't even mind them at 14-1 to to win this tournament. Or, or the Grizzlies, who are uh, – I think that would be a great turnaround story. So you generally agree on like yeah. the, that, that t- the profile of that team and you think the Grizzlies and, and Kings fit it as well? 100%. A very sound analysis, in my opinion. Kings 18-1, to not bad. Cavs 14-1. to I feel like one of those kind of teams will end up winning this thing. All right, that's Mackenzie Rivers, our NBA expert. Appreciate it, Mackenzie. Thank you. Another loss for the New York Yankees puts their playoff hopes in serious jeopardy as they are now six and a half games back of the third wild card in the American League, and they fall to a 500 record of 60 and 60. They've lost four straight, seven of their last 10 games. Well, Aaron Boone says there's a lot of season left to play. Like, he, <laughs> that's it. it seems like his line every time they're struggling is there's a lot of season left to play. Except there's just not anymore. It's 42 games. Not for them. That's not a lot. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, unless they they plan on winning like, I don't 30. know, 30 of them, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of season left for the Yankees. They'd have to win 34 of their last 40 games to go over their win total. But they could do it. Is, is this the end of the line for uh, for Aaron Boone? I think there has to be changes. Um, we, you know, we talk about. Brian Cashman and him never having a losing season. And if it came down to him in his first losing season since he took the job as general manager, uh, I would think that Aaron Boone might be the guy that has to fall on the sword. Here. It seems that way. So uh, here's the question now. And I mentioned this 1993. Was that right? The last yep. time the, the Yankees had a, a losing record. Mm-hmm. Like what odds are you giving them that they, they don't finish 500 or below? They'll this finish year? above 500. Okay. But it, What's it, their remaining schedule like? But it might just be like 84 it, wins. Yeah. Man. You know? The remaining schedule is middle of the road. 42 games left there. It's the 15th most difficult schedule remaining. Uh, they finish up the series here with Atlanta. They got three against the Rays, three against the Astros, six against the Blue Jays, seven against the Red Sox, three against the Brewers. That and sounds then, like a bunch of teams that are ahead of them in the yes, standings. Yes, <laughs> but that's the good thing if you think that there's a chance of them to make the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't. With seven... <laughs> With seven games against Boston and six against the Blue Jays, I guess that's where Aaron Boone is thinking, like, hey, we got 13 games against these two teams where if we win 10 of them, we're probably like a game and a half or two games out of the wild card. Yankees were the second favorite to win the World Series. Only the Astros had better odds to start the year. And I'm so mad at myself for not betting against Luis Severino yesterday. I know. It was three you guys nothing. called it. It was three nothing before you could blink. Yep. It's like a crystal ball isn't in I'm so mad at myself for not pushing that button. And the people there were people on Twitter saying, How can they keep throwing Severino out there? There's no, no other else. options. Yeah. Like everybody else is hurt or or mm-hmm. is like in rehab. They're a mess. There's nothing to, there's nothing for the Yankees to do. And we all know what they did at the trade deadline, which was sit on their hands. Yep. Which in hindsight, by the way, it wasn't the worst thing they could have done. Like the dumb, the the only way they could have been worse is if they did what the Angels did and like try to add a bunch of pieces mm-hmm. to a team that mm-hmm. wasn't going anywhere. At least they didn't do that. But man, it sure would have been smart of them to to start selling some things and getting ready for next season for whoever the next manager is of the Yankees. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens tonight with the Yankees when they take on the Braves. The finale of this three game set it looks like Charlie Morton scheduled to go for Atlanta. That's Randy not ideal. Vasquez. 
is scheduled to go for the Yankees. That's an L dog. Let's take a look at the rest of the schedule. We got some day games today. The Tigers are at the Twins. Reese Olsen gets the start for Detroit. Kent Maeda for Minnesota. Twinkies minus 190. Pirates are at the Mets. Mets are minus 125 with Tyler McGill on the mound. Johan Oviedo goes for Pittsburgh. Diamondbacks at the Rockies. Slage Coney gets the start for Arizona. They're minus 135. Austin Gomber on the mound for the Rockies. The Rays are at the Giants. Aaron Savali getting the start for the Rays and Probably going to be an opener for the Giants, maybe Ryan Walker, but Tampa AJ getting some terrible news yesterday. Yeah, the news is that Shane McClanahan is going to have Tommy John surgery, which means not only will he not be back for the playoffs, it means he won't be back next season Mm -hmm. either. So uh, a real hit to the Rays' chances, not only for this year, but for for next season as well. Noah Syndergaard gets to start for the Guardians in Cincinnati against the Reds. Andrew Abbott goes for Cincinnati. The Reds, minus 175. Astros at the Marlins. Justin Verlander on the mound for Houston. They're minus 135. Jesus Lazardo counters for Miami. A's are at the Cardinals. Paul Blackburn goes for Oakland. Matthew Libertor goes for the Cards. St. Louis minus 190. Red Sox at the Nationals. James Paxton for Boston. Mackenzie Gore for D.C. Boston's minus 170. Phillies at the Blue Jays. Aaron Nola gets a start for Philadelphia. Kevin Gosman for Toronto. Toronto's minus 155. These two uh, had a pitcher's duel yesterday. Uh, Low scoring game 2-1 the Blue Jays winning, scoring a one run in the bottom of the eighth inning. This looks like it's shaping up to be another one here with Gosman against Nola. Total is eight. The Angels are at the Rangers. Reed Detmers goes for L.A. John Gray goes for Texas. Texas is minus 190. White Sox at the Cubbies. Mike Clevenger for Chicago Southside. And <laughs> CSA Southside, Northside. Javier Assad for Chicago Northside. The Mariners are at the Royals. Luis Castillo gets a start for Seattle, and it's going to be James MacArthur going for Kansas City. MacArthur's ERA, 13.5. Wow. By the way, the system came through last night with the uh, with the. It took extra innings. It almost didn't. The the the, the, the Mariners blew the lead. The Royals scored three <laughs> runs in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game, force I, extra innings. I take it you played the system. Yes, I did. <laughs> Had to be a sweat. Of course, an unnecessary sweat. Eight five going into the bottom of the ninth. You think you got that one cashed? The Orioles are at the Padres. Dean Kramer goes for the Orioles. Blake Snell for San Diego. San Diego's minus 165. Total is eight. Good pitching matchup in this one. And the Brewers are at the Dodgers. Wade Miley goes for Milwaukee. Clayton Kershaw for L.A. L.A. minus 235. (laughs) Head on over to pregame.com and get yourself a football season subscription package. we got incredible discounts going on right now at pregame.com. You can jump on board with your favorite pregame pro for the entirety of the NFL season or the entirety of the college football season, maybe you get a combo package and get NFL and college football. You can take 20% off your purchase at pregame.com using the promo code SUPER20. SUPER20. All hopes for the NFL teams are to get to the Super Bowl. No, right? actually, this was a uh, this was a Dalvin Cook reference. Oh, for the Jets Super Team. Yeah, super Team. Super Team. Hard knocks. Yeah, that was last <laughs> week. Super20 is going to get you 20% off. At pregame.com. We also, speaking of super, have our like super contest available to enter right now on pregame.com. It's free to enter. How much does it cost, McKenzie? Uh, $0.0. Free to enter. It's a good deal. And it's just like the super contest where you pick five sides per week. But it's easier than the super contest. Easier to win? 
or just easier to play? Well, hmm, that's a good question. Well, it's easier to play because— It's a similar amount of contestants, but who's sharper, the average Westgate fellow or the average pregame fellow? I'm not sure. That's true. Well, I will say this. It might be easier in both aspects. It's easier to play because you don't have to make all your picks at once. You could pick a Thursday game. Good point. Then you wait, see the line moves, right? You also but, don't need a proxy. There you go. You just go on the website. And then you can pick your Sunday games. If you want to wait, you want to wait till Monday. You want to see that line move. Injuries, you're waiting on that. Designation, start, no. Well, then you can make your picks whatever you want. So you can use the best lines. But it also might be easier to win because we have bonus contests. Like For there's sure. bonus chances to win during this super contest where if you go 5-0, and you're entered into another contest. Every five in a week gets you entered into another contest. An exclusive contest only another with the perfective people. For a chance to win cash. Now, the winner of this Like Super Contest gets your choice. $1,500 cash or free entry and free proxy into next year's Westgate Super Contest. Wait a minute. But Westgate only made it $1,000 this year. We're giving out 1500 And free proxy. Man, that's a good deal. So, I mean, you can take your cash and then enter the contest if you want. But then you're going to pay a proxy and whatever. Or... Free proxy, free entry. Chance to win millions. Hard to beat. Giving it away. Hard to beat. Yeah. Like Super Contest is available. Go to pregame.com. Click on Contests. Sign up. It is free to enter. And, yes, use the promo code SUPER20. Get 20% off your purchase at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers, A.J. Hoffman, and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Sattenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.